Okay, our first reading today is from Luke chapter 14, verses 15 to 24, page 7 of your zines. When one of those at the table with him heard this, he said to Jesus, Blessed is the one who will eat at the feast in the kingdom of God. Jesus replied, A certain man was preparing a great banquet and invited many guests. At the time of the banquet, he sent his servant to, those, to tell those who had been invited, Come, for everything is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said, I've just bought a field and I must go and see it. Please excuse me. Another said, I've just bought five yoke of oxen and I'm on my way to try them out. Please excuse me. Still another said, I've just got married, so I can't come. The servant came back and reported this to his master. Then the owner of the house became angry and ordered his servant, go out quickly into the streets and alleys of the town and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind and the lame. Sir, the servant said, what you have ordered has been done, but there is still room. Then the master told his servant, go out to the roads and country lanes and compel them to come in so that my house will be full. I tell you, not one of those who were invited will get to taste of my banquet. The second reading comes from Philippians chapter 1, verses 1 to 6. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all God's holy people in Christ Jesus at Philippi, together with the overseers and deacons, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Thanks for reading those passages to, passages to us, Lauren, uh, for this afternoon, and I want to extend my welcome to those uh, who might be with us this afternoon for the first time. My name's Craig, and uh, I hope that you are finding this afternoon an encouraging um, and hopefully um, challenging and uplifting time as we spend time together here uh, at church. Now, as we shared last week, um, my time here... Uh, as the minister of 4pm is coming to a close. And as I was reflecting during the week, uh, today marks um, my final normal Sunday with us here at the Garrison. And what I mean by normal is that next Sunday, we are gathering for just one service here, 4pm for our carol service. And I reiterate, it starts at four. You don't want to miss the opening hymn, it's a cracker, uh, or carol. So next week we've got carols, the following Sunday is the eve of Christmas Eve, and then the following Sunday is the eve of New Year's Eve. And so this is the final Sunday where I know we're all together before some of us are making our ways back home for Christmas or New Year's or, or whatnot. Um, and also before I finish up serving as your minister here, December 31st. Um, certainly, uh, I want to share this week that Naomi and I have loved serving this community, um, and we've sought to be a blessing by seeking to point us all to Jesus, uh, who is the generous and loving saviour of our world, and by being as open and honest and transparent with all of you about our own faith journey. 
Um, we've never really sought to be the heroes, rather we've always kind of had this view that we are fellow travellers with you um, who point us all to the hero who is Jesus himself. And uh, that's, I guess, been our heart's desire. We've also sought to take seriously the truth which was clear, uh, I think, from Jesus' crucifixion, even before that, all the way through to today as we sit here, that God is present uh, and at work in the mess. Um, sometimes even more present and work at work in the mess. And so in my final sermon to our whole church family, before we sort of have the Christmas season upon us, uh, I'd really love to give two reflections from two favorite passages of Scripture, uh, seeking to point us to Jesus and seeking to be open and transparent about the journey of following him. Uh, Luke 14 and the banquet invitation and Philippians 1 and the God who is at work within you. And so I'd love to pray for us as we reflect on these parts of the Bible, um, because here at 4pm we really believe that um, the Bible is not just a historical text, uh, but it's also a word that we have about God himself. And so we always pray and ask that God may be at work in us as we listen and we reflect on his word, that we may learn something more and be driven closer to him. So let me pray for us. Uh, our dear Lord and loving Heavenly Father, through the power of your Spirit, who raised Jesus from the dead, open our ears and speak to our hearts and shape our minds as we reflect upon your word to us. In Jesus' name, Amen. I love that the gospel writer Luke uh, tells us that Jesus came eating and drinking. That is, when you look at the founder of Christian faith, uh, he was inherently relational. Uh, unlike Muhammad, Jesus was not directly concerned with political power or military dominance. Unlike the Buddha, Jesus was not concerned with avoiding suffering or disconnecting from desires. No, Jesus, we're told, came eating and drinking. He came focused on genuine relationships that would be formed over the dinner table, not political power. He came focused on this world, this life, not getting rid of our desires, but transforming them in light of eternity. Jesus came with a message about God's kingdom. And he describes it in Luke 14 as a banquet. Uh, that is something good. Jesus had a gospel, and a gospel means a message of good news. Sometimes, I think in our current climate, we forget that Jesus actually brings good news. And the good news that he brings is, even though each one of us in our own way, in our own unique form, have ignored God and gone our own way, God has not given up on us. And he has, in fact, made a way possible for each one of us to reconnect with him, to discover a life that is fully engaged, which looks like loving him with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and loving our neighbor as ourselves. Of course, I guess this wouldn't necessarily sound like good news if I presuppose that every aspect of my thoughts, desires, and life 
is good and pure and right all the time. If I honestly believe that, then I guess Jesus doesn't bring anything newsworthy, especially not good news. Um, And in some of our city and in our workplace, in our family, perhaps some of us here today may still feel in that space. And that's okay, because I believe God will give us insight in his timing um, to lead us to see him and his son for who he really is. But if you do wrestle with a sense of brokenness or guilt or conflict in your heart, in your mind, in your world, then Jesus brings very good news. Regardless of what you've done or what's been done to you, you are deeply loved and valuable. God is ready and waiting to forgive you. You have been invited to the banquet. You just need to accept the invitation and turn up. Uh, This is the good news of Jesus Christ. It also appears that in God's wisdom, he has created each one of us with a capacity to reject him, uh, to reject his invitation. And that's exactly what happens in Jesus' story that he tells in Luke 14. Um, You read along as Lauren was reading it. The invites go out. And all the early recipients say, no. In context of Luke 14, this appears to be a reference to the nation of Israel. They get the first invite. But many reject Jesus as their Messiah, uh, the true king of God's kingdom. But then Jesus says... The invites are sent out far and wide to everyone, even those who in this ancient culture didn't appear to deserve such an invite. The blind, the crippled, the lame. This is not a banquet for the elite. Uh, It is a banquet for everyone and anyone who is willing to accept the invite. It is what our city care lunches embody. And the invite is repentance and faith in Jesus. That's why we sing this Christmas, let every heart prepare him room. Uh, Over my time here at the garrison, I've always held this banquet or this good news view of what God's ways and plans are for us and our world. And I've always understood accepting what God has done for us, the key start and end point to Christian faith. However, the Bible also makes clear that God is not just active in doing something for us, but he is also active through his spirit in doing something within us. Lives transformed by following Jesus. Earlier this year, we spent five weeks here exploring uh, our Messy Faith series, and Philippians 1 was kind of our mantra. And so I want to read it again for us. The Apostle Paul writes, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you 
will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Being confident of this, that he who has begun a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. I've seen much good work being done in the lives of so many of us here throughout the last few years. Some of that change has come in the shifting of specific habits and actions. Other significant changes I've seen in people here has been in their approach to others, becoming less harsh, more gentle, becoming less judgmental and more gracious. Being a Christian involves recognizing ourselves as a work in progress as we allow God to renovate our hearts and our minds. And what is the good work that God is doing in the lives of those who follow him? He is transforming all of us into the likeness of his son, Jesus. Remember, God's plans have more to do with who you are rather than where you are. God's plans have more to do with who you are rather than where you are. And this is what our community here is about. As we hear and we trust and then we respond to God's word. His spirit is at work in a lifelong transformation. Uh, In his book, Just Do It, uh, the American pastor and author, Kevin DeYoung, he puts it this way. He says, simply put, God's will, you often hear that, don't you? What's God's will for my life? If you've been in Christian circles for any length of time, you'll hear that phrase, what's God's will for my life? And I find it intriguing because, I'm going to get back to the reading in a second, but I find it intriguing because we often talk about God's will for my life as if it's some sort of thing that's drawn on like this kind of faded treasure map in a bottle at the bottom of the ocean. But one of the cool things as we read through the Bible is God's will for your life is one of the most clearest things in the Bible. Anyway, Kevin DeYoung puts it this way. He says, simply put, God's will is your growth in Christ-likeness. God promises to work all things together for our good that we might be conformed to the image of his Son, Romans 8. And the degree to which that sounds like a lame promise is the degree to which we prefer stones and scorpions of this world to the true bread of heaven, Matthew 7. He writes, God never assures us of health, success, or ease, but he promises us something even better. He promises to make us loving, pure, and humble like Christ. The Apostle Paul writes, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you, he will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Uh, Through our time here, Naomi and I have sought to be open and honest uh, about the renovations that God has been doing in each of our own lives. Um, Whilst ministers are called to be an example to the flock, we are also works in progress. 
and God has certainly been at work in our lives. Um, Naomi's understanding of and moving through her own fears and emotional processing, my understanding of moving out of destructive habits from the past, uh, God has been changing us for his glory and I think for the good of those around us. It's always through his spirit leading us to take his word seriously as well as through the agency of other people. Friends, brothers and sisters in the Lord, counsellors. God works in many ways to lead us to grow up to look like Jesus. And I encourage you that while you continue to stand firmly on what God has done for you, that you also continue to be connected with the work he wants to do within you. Always remembering that real change is more often than not low and slow. Uh, Michael Horton writes in his 2015 book, Ordinary, he says, we want big results, sooner rather than later. And we've forgotten that God showers his extraordinary gifts through ordinary means of grace, loves us through ordinary fellow image bearers, and sends us out into the world to love and serve others in ordinary callings. It's low and slow. It's a long obedience in the same direction. Uh, but this is where the good stuff is to be found, especially in a culture which is always driving us for immediate gratification and instant results. My prayer and hope is that you've been encouraged to see this reality uh, and that it set your expectations and your joy as you establish habits and rhythms that allow for this experience of long-term transformation. Invitations and transformation are so much of what we've explored this past three and a half years and Naomi and I have been thankful for every moment of that as we've shared our faith journey with you. As we look ahead to 2019, uh, there may be some initial uncertainty regarding exactly who and when my replacement can begin, um, but as we continue to grow as a Jesus-centered community, um, I, just, I have three encouragements that I want to share with us, three encouragements for us in these coming weeks and months and in the coming year. Be present, even if you have to fight for it. Be honest, even if it feels awkward. And be encouraging, even if that means change. Be present, even if you have to fight for it. Um, a church community like ours, a family like ours, will rise and fall on people actually committing to it. Uh, the commitment to regular community on Sunday and midweek is one of those rhythms and habits that forms our hearts and our minds. And it appears to be one of the main ways God works. I actually love the fact that when Dylan was sharing, he gave the perfect answer. Um, why did you come to City Care Lunch today? Because I put it in my diary. 
Like that was the most kind of spiritual answer that I've heard. Because God works in the ordinary. Um, I guarantee you will never magically float to some mystical cloud and arrive at church every Sunday. And you definitely won't arrive at community group midweek, sort of on the winds of spiritual bliss. Because it doesn't happen. You have to put it in your diary. You have to actually type it or write it or do whatever you do, and you say, this is a rhythm for my life. It's not instant, it's not magical, but it appears to be one of the main ways God works as we lock in our lives times of community around his word. And so my encouragement and challenge is to see our family here as a locked-in weekly commitment. We meet for such a fraction of the week that to actually commit to this will shape your own growth and it will make a difference in the lives of others. Uh, towards the end of this year and obviously in January, we're going to be looking at forming our midweek groups, our community groups, we call them if you're new, for next year. And these, these are really, they build on commitment. When we are committed to each other in these midweek groups, as hard as it is, even if you have to fight for it and turn up grumpy and spend the first five minutes kind of brewing in the corner because you don't want to be there, what a beautiful expression of faithfulness to God. One, be present even if you have to fight for it. Um, number two, be honest even if it feels awkward. If there is one place you can be open about who you are, surely it is in a community that has built or is seeking to build itself on grace. It is often our weaknesses that bind us. Uh, you share me your strengths and I will admire you. You share me your strengths and I might even look up to you. But you share me your weakness and I'll connect with you. And that just seems to be the way humans are wired. And as a faith and grace community, God calls us to be honest with each other, even if it's awkward. It seems to be the best way to connect and to grow in God. And so my encouragement is to continue to seek to be honest with your family here as we chart our way ahead in 2019. It's also the reason why we have community groups that meet midweek. Because, I mean, it's hard in a, a group this size to sort of get around and try and be honest with it. It doesn't really work. And so we meet in smaller groups where we can share life closer, just be a bit more honest about how we're going. Third one, be encouraging, uh, even if that means change. Uh, in the New Testament, there's this word that's often used, and it's translated edify, but that's not really helpful for us either because no one knows what that means. And so edify actually means to build up. Yep. And the opposite of building up is tearing down. But the New Testament says, as a church family, we are called, God calls us to build each other up. In practical terms, it means to encourage each other in following Jesus. And to do that might mean growth and change for you personally. It might mean taking the risk of developing um, more, I hate this phrase, but it's a, more God talk in your vocabulary, here within this church family. What do I mean by that? I mean, just asking questions like, how has, I don't know, how's your journey of faith been over the last month? Or, 
What did you think of that sermon? Or can I pray for you? To listen and to respond in prayer is one of the easiest ways to encourage each other to keep God's word and work central. And uh, we're trying to get into a rhythm of having people that you can pray with after the service. Um, And I love that. But my hope and vision for us is that we continue to grow into a community where we just pray with the person next to us. You might hear something and you might say, hey, why can't I, can I just pray? I want to speak to God now and ask him to help you in this coming week. There are some for whom this is really easy. They're always asking to pray for you. And uh, it just seems to be how they're wired. Praise God for that. Um, But for others, we have to learn it. We have to take risks. You have to go, this feels so awkward, but you've just shared something quite important and it's going to be a challenge for you this week. And I know that there is a God who is bigger than us. And so I'm just going to ask, can I pray for you about that? And it's going to feel so strange. But we step into that change because we're seeking to encourage and build each other up. And so I urge to continue to do this so that we can continue to grow as a community, community that's present and that's honest and that's encouraging. Uh, I've really loved serving the God who is both invitational and transformational um, here in this church family. And uh, it seems fitting uh, to finish my reflection this afternoon with uh, words from my favorite hymn. Um, And they are words that uh, I have owned as my own, um, and they are words that I hope you can say with an honest heart too. It's a famous old hymn, and the first verse says this, Amazing grace, amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. And so I want to finish by praying for us that God may continue to just do what he's been doing here. And uh, let me pray. Um, Our Lord and Father, we thank you for your grace. Uh, Lord, in truth, none of us uh, deserve the invitation to eternal life. None of us deserve really to be called your pure, godly, perfect children. And yet, that is the invitation you've extended to us because of what your son Jesus has done for us on our behalf. Lord, I thank you for the work you've done for each one of us here, and not just for us, but for everyone in this world. And Lord, I also pray for the work that you are doing right now within each one of us. Lord, for some of us, we don't call ourselves Christian. But you are moving us closer to you. You are moving us closer to actually relying and trusting in Jesus. And I pray that you'll keep being at work. Lord, for some of us, we are changing habits and rhythms in our life so that we can put you first. And I pray that you'll continue to be at work. Lord, there are a range of ways that you are at work within us individually and as a community, and I pray that your spirit will continue and that we may trust in your word as we grow up as children of yours.
And Lord, please guide us in these coming weeks and month and year that we might be a community that continues to be gracious and loving and welcoming as we explore the good news of our Saviour Jesus. And we pray all of this in his name. Amen.